Well, if you have your Bibles, go ahead and get them out. Turn with me to the Gospel of Matthew. Uh, we're in chapter 6 this morning, and we, are, we started looking at the Lord's Prayer um, last Sunday, and, and uh, we ended up, we're taking a uh, sort of a backwards adventure through the Lord's Prayer, and so uh, today we'll, we'll fall um, primarily on uh, verse number 11, which is, give us this day our daily bread. One of the only things that, uh, or the first thing that the disciples asked of Jesus in the, in the gospel of Luke was, Lord, how should we pray? Lord, teach us to pray. Now, I would say that most people I know religious or not, at some point in their life, pray at least a small prayer. Uh, you'll see it reported on social media and, and on the internet, uh, I'm sending good thoughts or prayers for. But I, I, th- I think there's this, um, there's just this deep urge within us to, to reach out, and we would call that prayer. Now, we don't often like to talk about our prayer life. Does that be, that be true? Some of us struggle with this idea of, of prayer. We're, we're not, we don't always think that we, we pray with the right words. Or am I, am I putting my sentences together right? Is, is God listening to me? We struggle with these uh, sorts of questions. I, I like how Barbara Brown Taylor, she's a pastor, uh, seminary professor, author, deeply spiritual person, and yet she will, if you ask her in a quiet moment, she would say that I, I sometimes struggle in talking about prayer. Now, she says I have some difficulty with it. In fact, if you, if you ask her point blank, she said she would sometimes admit, well, I feel, like, I feel like I'm a failure at prayer. I just don't know if I, do I do it right? Do I pray enough? Do I say the right things? She says, I, I have all sorts of prayer books and other things, and she says when people ask her about her prayer life, uh, her, mind's, her mind starts scrambling to try and change the topic so she doesn't have to expose the problem that she thinks she has. Um, she, she says, uh, she would sometimes turn the conversation to, to stop, talk about things that make her sound more spiritual. Um, she says she'd rather admit she's a rotten godmother or that she struggles with her weight than to admit she's a prayer, what she calls weakling. <laughs> but, she says, to say I love God but I do not pray much is like saying I love life but I don't breathe much. Now that's a good quote to let rattle around for a while because it's so true. To say I love God but I do not pray much is like saying I love life but I don't breathe much. It's how we communicate. It's how we commune with, with our Heavenly Father. And I know most people don't like when, when we start talking about, well, tell me, tell me about your prayer life. A lot of times people will, will shrink back a little bit. I don't, I don't want to talk about that. And, and 
It goes a little bit further. There's a little bit more uh, tension, anxiety that wells up if, if you're called on to pray out loud in some environments. And so this is just something that we struggle with. And I think that the disciples were in that place. They watched Jesus have this beautiful prayer life with God. He was always going off to quiet places to pray. And I think that they longed for that relationship with God. So they went to Jesus and said, hey, teach us how to pray. I think they struggled with what I call prayer envy. They watched Jesus and they, they envied what he had. Hey, do you ever succumb to prayer envy? It, it's okay. You might be in the presence of somebody who's just really poetically eloquent, and they know how to put words together in just the right order, and their tone and inflection just seems to get it right, and so you think, wow, if only I could pray like that, maybe my prayers would make it to God's throne. When we succumb to prayer envy, we start minimizing our own words to God. And we start thinking that, well, I can't, I don't, I don't pray, I don't sound like that when I pray. And sometimes, maybe when we feel like we're not really good at prayer or we're prayer weaklings like Barbara Brown Taylor, um, we get to this point and we say, well, maybe, well, if, if my prayer isn't reaching God or I'm not saying it in just the right way, then, then maybe we back off and like, why, why bother don't worry if you have thought any of those things. You're not alone. You're not alone. It's a common thing that Christians struggle with. The disciples who were in Jesus' presence often had these sorts of things going around their minds. And so I think that it's a common issue with all of us is we know that we need to breathe. We know that we need to pray. And so... We long for it, and we struggle with it once in a while, and that's okay. What I love about the Lord's Prayer is how simple it is. It's not fancy, right? It's a few sentences that, that Jesus puts together. I think when you, when you really unpack the theology of the Lord's Prayer, every prayer that we could pray is contained in the Lord's Prayer. I think Jesus gives it to us in such a super simple format that it's easy for us to remember, but we can also use it as a prayer template. Like we can take each line of the phrase and we can practice expanding on it. I think Jesus was giving us a shape to pray. You can use these exact words you can pray this and that's good. But as you spend more and more time with God, you can expand each of those phrases out. On the inside of your core guide today, uh, and I've printed something like this before, there's just a prayer guide for the week that takes you uh, each day, and each day you pray a different phrase of the prayer. 
And each day you focus on, on some different things. And so I would encourage you to look at that uh, over the course of this coming week. This is how Jesus teaches us to pray. And I think as we move forward and, and get to the, give us this day our daily bread, well, let's pause for a moment and just pray in unison this prayer that Jesus taught us. He said, pray like this, our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors and lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. So we find most of that almost word for word in Matthew chapter 6. And the, the phrase that we're going to focus on today is, um, is verse 11. Give us this day our daily bread. Now, <clears throat> when we pray this prayer, there's, there's a couple different kinds of it's a, it's a prayer of asking, give us this day. So Jesus says it's appropriate to go to the Father. And to use the word give, that's like an imperative. That's almost like a, it comes across almost as a demand, but it's, it's a request. It's an asking prayer. And then there's a couple types of asking prayers. There's the, what we sometimes would call a petitionary prayer. And we go before God and we petition God for needs in our own lives. So we we, we look at, at our life, um, we evaluate our needs, um, and, and we take what we feel like we need to God, and we say, Lord, would you provide this for me? Now, we come out of the womb praying, asking prayers. <laughs> it doesn't take us long to figure out how to ask for stuff for ourselves. When you're an infant, whether you know it or not, when you need something, what do you do? Wah! Right? I need to draw attention to myself so that I can get what I need. Usually it's some form of sustenance. And, you know, as you age, uh, the prayer never changes. It only becomes a little bit more sophisticated. So... Our wah becomes gimme. I want, give this to me. And that, you know, when that starts about age two or three, right? When words start to form, uh, we, we can articulate our requests quickly. And we might use fancier words when we become adults, but sometimes our prayers are just gimme. It's a petitionary prayer. It's an asking prayer. Part of the Lord's Prayer, uh, the, the phrase that we're looking at today is, is a prayer of asking, reaching out to God. And the Apostle Paul in, in Philippians chapter 4, he says, don't be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God. It's something that we're taught to do. God wants to be in this conversation with you. Now, it's not always easy to ask for things. 
I mean, sometimes we just blurt it out because we just really need it, but sometimes we might look at our ass and be like, well, I don't know if I'd, I don't want to, I don't want to bother anybody, so I'm, I'm not going to ask for help. My need, what I think I need is so, it's big for me, but it's so small in comparison to all of the needs that I see around me. Why, why, would, I, why would I trouble God with just my small thing? Why would, why would I bother him? But God wants you to ask him, even in simple ways, even for small things, some people wonder, well, why do I need to ask God for anything if he already knows what I need? And it's, the answer is the same. It's because God desires the deepening of the relationship by being in conversation with you. And if we know what our, if, if, we, if we begin to articulate what we feel our needs are and we take those to God, there's that moment where we're in conversation with him. We present our request to God, as, as Paul said, um, with thanksgiving. And in prayer, you're, you're talking with God. And prayer is as much saying as it is listening, and so it's not like we just rattle through our, our list, say amen, and rush off for the day. We listen for the voice of the Holy Spirit in our life, because those are opportunities where God can come in and help shape our needs and wants and desires. And he might come alongside us once in a while and say, well, you know, you really think you need that. But what about, what about this over here? And sometimes God is able to shape our, what we, uh, the perceptions that we carry of, of what we need. Now, so that's petitionary prayer. There's another kind of prayer that shows up in uh, in this prayer of asking, and it's, it's an intercessory prayer. An intercessory prayer is, is a prayer of asking, and we take the needs of other people and we lay them before God on their behalf. So we live in close community with one another. We work with people. We go to school with others. And if we have our eyes open and we're sensitive at all, we see needs that other people have. And we can take those to God. And we can intercede with the Father on their behalf. Sometimes there's spoken needs out loud. Other times, we just know there's a need, or we can see that there's trouble going on in somebody's life. We can, we can see that there's some turmoil or there's some angst in their soul, and we can bring that before the Father. I know in, in our core group, one of the, I mean, we love fellowship, we love the food, we love studying the word, but there's just something so good and special about the times where we can share prayer requests with one another and pray over all those things. And to take the needs, not just of our little group of people, but the needs of our extended friends and associates and things that we know of, and, and we can come together and we can just lay them all before the Father and say, Lord, help us. Would you come alongside these people? Would you give them a measure of your grace and, and your peace? Would you, let, 
Would you let your peace just wash over their souls in this moment? Prayers for healing and all sorts of things. They're just beautiful times when we can go on another's behalf before God. And so we pray, give us this day our daily bread. We are praying both kinds of prayers. We are petitioning God and we're interceding at the same time. And in just that phrase, give us this day our daily bread, we're, we're praying, we are asking God for three things. Our daily bread. Now, it sounds like one thing because we, we say it fast, but I think, I really think that it's three. Um, we're asking for bread. How many of you love bread? Everybody with their hand down is a liar. I'm, I'm teasing. But there's something just really good about the smell of fresh baked bread. I was tempted to have fresh bread baking and leave that window open back there while I'm preaching about bread. And then I thought twice about that. I couldn't preach over the noise of my own stomach rumbling, so I thought, okay, we, we're not going to do that this time. But there's this something about the smell of fresh baking bread and and I know whether you're a dairy person or not, there's just something about melted butter on bread, and it's so good. Did you know there's over 350 references to bread in the Bible? And I think I've run through this before, so I'm not going to take the time now, but you can tell the whole narrative of the Bible just by talking about all of the bread references. Bread, it represents basic, simple need. It represents food, and so we pray, give us this day our daily bread. We're praying for physical nourishment. But it also, bread is also representative of all of our daily needs, all of the things like food and shelter and clothing, all of those things we put in the need category. Bread is, is sort of a placeholder. Bread is, is representative of, of all of those things. But to pray for bread, it, it was like the basic food for the peasants of the day. They had two meals of bread, uh, and, that, and that's what they lived on. And so when Jesus says, give us this day our daily bread, that's not, a, that's not an extravagant prayer. That's not fancy. That's not asking for any luxuries. That's just basic, plain old, simple bread. See, this prayer doesn't sanctify our greed and our desire to accumulate things. We ask God Will you just provide for my basic needs? And it's okay to pray for them. It's okay to ask God for those. Jesus tells us to do this. It might sound small, it might sound ordinary, but, but praying, praying for these things or praying for bread, many of us just take that for granted. And Jesus says, pray for it anyway. In the, in the Bible, though, bread also represents something more than physical food. Bread also is representative of spiritual food, spiritual nourishment. And Jesus reminds us of this pretty often. Remember in uh, several weeks ago, we were talking through Matthew chapter 4, and that's when Jesus was taken out into the wilderness, and he was fasting for 40 days, so he was hungry. 
Didn't eat for 40 days. He's, he's hungry. And the, and the devil comes to him and tempts him to, chain, to turn the stones into loaves of bread. And remember how Jesus responded? He quoted out of uh, Deuteronomy uh, 8, I think it is. He said, man does not live by bread, physical bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the Father's mouth. And so the word of God is likened to bread as something that comes inside and nourishes us, not in a physical sense, but in in a spiritual sense. And, And so Jesus... He, he, he keeps, if you, if you read the Gospels and you read through Jesus' life, there's episodes all over the place where Jesus is talking to the people and, and they're talking about physical bread, but then the, the conversation changes into spiritual nourishment. So the only miracle that Jesus does that shows up in all four of the Gospels. You know which one that is? It's when he feeds the 5,000. So there's the, all of the renditions are, are pretty close together or very similar. You know, the, the disciples and Jesus are, are, are out and he's teaching them and, and the crowds follow. And, and so Jesus teaches the crowd and, and as the day goes on, the sermon goes on and, and, and the disciples notice that Hey, it's getting late in the day, Jesus. Time to, you know, maybe come to the amen part because we're hungry and these people need to go back to the villages and find some what? Food. They need to go eat. They need to go find physical bread. And Jesus, he says... Yeah, that's true. Um, how about you give them something to eat? And, you know, they make excuses. Well, we, we, don't, have, we, don't, have enough, we don't have any food for everybody. We, we don't even have enough money to, to, to buy food for this whole crowd. That would, that would be po- impossible, Jesus. And Jesus, he takes that, he kind of rolls with it, and he says, well, what do you have was his question. What do you have? So they go and they round up some loaves and some fish, right? And they bring it to Jesus. And he takes it. And he blesses it. And he breaks it. And he, what does he do? Jesus isn't the one that hands it out, right? Jesus gives it to the disciples. And the disciples go and they feed the crowd. And there's enough food for everybody in the crowd. And there's lots of leftovers, too. Well, if you have your Bibles open, flip over to uh, the Gospel of John. Um, I want to show you one of the connections that Jesus makes with this story. In John chapter 6, at the beginning of, the beginning of John chapter 6, um, we're, we're given that story where Jesus feeds the 5,000. And then that episode comes to an apparent close People go home happy, they're full. Oh, yeah, wow, that was excellent bread. Good job. Then there's this little episode in John 6, 16, where they got into the boat and they set across the lake, the disciples do, and, and this is the one where Jesus comes uh, walking on the water to them. And the next morning, the people notice that, hey, the 
the boats are gone, where did Jesus go? And they go off and they find Jesus across the lake. And so picking up in verse 25, when they found him on the other side of the lake, they asked him, Rabbi, when did you get here? <laughs> I would like to hear Jesus' mental reply. Like, well, I've been here. <laughs> I was here before you were. You just got here. So they're quizzing Jesus, you know, trying to distract him. Like, hey, we're stalking you, Jesus. Uh, when did you get here? He says, uh, very truly, I tell you, you are looking for me not because you saw the signs I performed, like you didn't get the connection. When I, when I fed you the loaves of bread, you didn't read the signs correctly, but because you ate the loaves and had your fill, you're following me because you're following your stomach. You're following me because you want to make me king, and what kings do is they provide material things for their people. So you're not, you're not coming to me for what I want you to come to me for right now. You're missing the spiritual connection here. Do not work for food that spoils, but for food that endures to eternal life, which the Son of Man will give you. For on him, God the Father has placed his seal of approval. Then they asked him, what must we do to do the works God requires? It's a good question. And Jesus answered, the work of God is this, to believe in the one he has sent. Did you catch that? What must we do to do the works God requires? The first thing that God requires is to believe. And when you fully believe something, when you fully believe in Jesus, then, then what happens that you'll see here in a second is that Jesus, we take Jesus into us and he transforms us and then we go and we start doing things like Jesus does. But the first thing there is, is to believe. So they asked him, uh, what sign then will you give that we may see it and believe you? So they they just saw Jesus feed 5,000-plus people because we're only counting the men then. So 5,000, probably plus their families, not small families. So this is a large crowd that Jesus has fed from five loaves and, and two fish. And that wasn't a sign enough for them. They... <laughs> They, hey, we need you to, will you prove us, will you prove that to us again? What will you do? Our ancestors ate manna in the wilderness. As it is written, he gave them bread from heaven to eat. So they're reminding Jesus of what God the Father did for their ancestors when they had um, been led out of slavery and captivity in Egypt. Exodus chapter 16, you can read about this. They had just left, their, they're like a month into their journey, and they're out in the wilderness, and the food runs out. And that's when they had their first prayer of asking, we're out here, we have nothing to eat, why did you lead us out here? Did you just lead us out here to die? Doesn't God care about us? Moses, what are you going to do about this? We're hungry. 
And God says, I'll take care of you. And he provided manna every day. Manna. The literal translation of manna is, what is it? <laughs> what is it? We don't know what this is. It's white flaky stuff, but you can eat it. Take and collect enough for what you're going to use for today. Don't collect enough for tomorrow because if you collect enough for tomorrow, it's going to go bad anyway. Just take what you need for today. So they're reminding Jesus, hey, God did this for us back then. What are you going to do for us now? And Jesus said to them, very truly, I tell you, it is not Moses who has given you the bread from heaven, but it is my Father who gives you the true bread from heaven. For the bread of God is the bread that comes down from heaven and gives life to the world. Sir, they said, now listen to how close this is to the phrase that we give us this day our daily bread. This is out of the voice out of the mouths of the people asking Jesus this question. Sir, they said, always give us this bread. And Jesus declared, I am the bread of life. I'm the bread. I'm the bread. I'm what will nourish and feed and sustain you, sustain your soul. Whoever comes to me will never Never go hungry. And whoever believes in me will never be thirsty. We need an amen for that. So Jesus is making this connection between physical bread that he had provided, feeding the 5,000. The people follow him because they're following their stomach. They want the meal train to continue and they're going after Jesus. Hey, give us another sign. Give us another sign. And Jesus is like, you know what? I'm trying to give you the sign and you're, and you're missing it. God is raining down manna to you right now. And I am the manna. I am the bread. I am what will sustain you. I am what will feed you. I am what will quench the thirst of your soul. Without me, you will starve to death. That's what Jesus is trying to teach them. And it keeps going over their head, but he keeps bringing the connection point back to them. You're seeking all of this physical bread, but I, I'm not saying that that's not important. But what I'm saying is there's, there's a food. There is bread that is way more important to your soul that I'm trying to bring into focus for you. And I want you to know that it's me. That's what Jesus is telling them. So there's this request. We ask for bread. We ask for physical bread. That's okay. The prayer clearly states that we pray for our daily nourishment of physical bread. But time and again, Jesus brings alongside spiritual nourishment. And so when we pray, give us this day our daily bread, we're asking for both. We ought to be asking for both. We ought to be asking for God to come in and do that work in our spiritual life. 
so that those hunger pangs will go away. There's, there's something way more deep about spiritual hunger than there is about physical hunger. The deep cravings that we have in our soul will never, will never be quenched by physical things. And in our culture, we struggle with that. When we struggle emotionally, relationally, spiritually, when we just feel like, man, I'm longing for something, our society has trained us to go for the physical bread. Pray for the physical bread. Go shopping. Go buy this. Fill your life with more stuff. Go whatever entertainment or whatever things that might lead you to addiction, our culture is saying, this is what is going to fill you up. This is what will satisfy you. And it's a lie. And Jesus pointed it out to these people in John chapter 6. They followed him because they had a deep spiritual hunger and craving, and they were thinking that it was the bread that would satisfy that. And Jesus says that craving can only be quenched if you consume me. If you get me inside of you to feed you, that's what you need. That's what we need. So we ask for bread. But we also, Jesus um, he knows that we need physical food to sustain our bodies. He also, he, and he says we need spiritual food. And he, doesn't, he says you don't just need a snack here and there. You don't just need a once-a-week buffet when you, when you go to church. You need it daily. So Jesus teaches us to seek, to ask for daily bread. Now, the word translated daily, it was not a common word at all. In the, in the language of the day. It's the Greek word epiousios. If you want to say it, it's a fun word to say, epiousios. And for a long time, nobody knew what it meant, and it didn't appear in any literature outside of early Christian literature. So there was uh, an instance of it in uh, Matthew. Luke uses that word. And then in another set of Christian writings called the Didache, it was, there was, it was used once there. Those three occurrences were the only record for a long time of, of this word, epiousios. It didn't appear in any other Greek writing of the day. And it's a word, there's two words that are put together. One is epi, which um, means around or on top of. And the other word, ousios, which means substance. And the word ousios was the same word that early Christians used to describe uh, how Jesus could be both God and man at the same time. He was the same ousios as the Father. He was the same essence. He was of the same substance as the Father. And so in the Lord's Prayer, these two words come together, epi-ousios, and it comes together in such a way that it means that which sustains us or that which is necessary for survival, or hence daily, something that we need to have every day, uh, or what we need to get through today. The only other instance, there was a dig um, 
an archaeological dig, and they came across this word one more time. It was uh, found on this, just a, a fragment of a piece of papyrus, which is what they would write on. And the, on this fragment, there was this word, and then there were a couple other words, the only a few words on it, and they were all food items. Turns out it was probably somebody's grocery list. We need our epiusios bread. We need our bread for today. Scholars have maybe come to understand this word as we need fresh bread today. Fresh. That's what the word means. There's something about fresh bread, right? It's not stale. It's not dry. It's not... It doesn't have, like, the green fuzzy stuff growing on it. It's fresh bread. That's healthy. That you can consume every day. See, God wants to cultivate this dependence in our soul. He wants us to come to him day after day for our daily needs. He, he, he wants us to come to him for a fresh morsel of bread every single day, physical or spiritual, both. We need it. Lord, give us the grace to know when enough is enough, though. Help us to understand and to be content with what you provide. See, when we go to him with our requests for fresh bread, we're trusting that he will give us just what we need, physical, spiritual. And we should accept that as a, the gracious gift of God and not seek beyond that. Just give us enough for today. This is what the prayer asks. Just give us enough to sustain us to do your work today. And Lord, help us to be generous with what you give. It's the third thing that we ask for. We ask for bread. We ask for daily bread. And we ask for our bread. And that's such a key part of this, pray, this uh, prayer, it starts off at the very beginning, our Father. It's plural. It's not me, it's not my, it's us, it's we, it's together. And so give us this day, our daily bread changes our focus from my own personal need and list to the prayer of interceding for others that we know are in desperate need of either physical or spiritual bread. And so as we pray this prayer, our, our vision widens out from what we need in our own life, in our own soul, in our own body, and we see the community that we're gathered around. We see all of the people in all of our circles, and, and we look at them with the eyes of Jesus, and we begin to see the needs that they have, spiritual and physical. 
And so to pray, give us this day our daily bread is to lay the needs of the community before God. Now, the challenging part of that is when we pray that prayer, it's not just a prayer of words. Because remember when Jesus said what you need to do, the first, the first work was to believe. And if you believe, then you will take me in as what nourishes and sustains you and transforms you. And then you're going to go out and you're going to start doing things like Jesus does. And so when we pray, give us this day our daily bread, we're also accepting the responsibility to become the answer to the prayer that we're praying. Which means when we see need and we look at the provisions that God has blessed us with and we listen to how God has said, you know what, this, this is all you need for today. But I'm going to bless you with, with a little bit more. Why do you think he blesses us with a little bit more? To give it away. Not to hoard, not to accumulate. He gives some of us more so that we can be the answer to somebody else's prayer. And when we accept this prayer, when we speak these words out loud, I believe we're taking on the responsibility to be the answer sometimes to, to the prayer that we're praying. And when we're in close fellowship and we're in close communion with God, he's going to point out the places where that needs to happen. And he's going to challenge you and he's going to say, hey, do you, re do you really believe that prayer that you're praying? Because I've, I've given you more than you need. It's a prayer that calls us to justice issues. It's a prayer that calls us to generosity to cultivate the, the spirit of, of giving inside us because we recognize all of the things that God has entrusted to our care, all of the things that, that God has blessed us with, all of the ways that God has answered our prayer for give us this day our daily bread. And we look at our life and we're like, wow, I have way more than I need. Who can I help God? Who can I help today? And you know what? If you ask God that, he'll give you plenty of options to choose from. And you are drawn into the very life of God. You're drawn into the very work of Jesus. The things that we're going to talk about at the beginning of the prayer uh, next week. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done. When we share, when we are generous people, we're helping God's kingdom to come into somebody else's life because we can point them to Jesus. And we can say, you know what? God has blessed me so much that I can do this at this point. And, and the only reason that I'm doing this isn't because I'm a really great, kind, generous guy. Although that may be true. Uh, it's because Jesus called me this, to this kind of living. And we're able to make that connection so that other people are like, Wow. I don't know if I've been praying that, but I've been thinking that I, I needed some help and at just the right moment, you came along. There's stories like that throughout our congregation. I'm so thrilled to be part of a generous church. 
This is the time of the year where I have a lot of fun in the office. <clears throat> we get to uh, fill out what's called the annual pastor's report to the district. And it is a long report. Statistics and numbers and all sorts of things. It takes a lot of time. And, and it asks us to count lots of things that I'm all for accountability, but I don't know as if anybody reads these things. So I'm going through this process right now, but one of the things that just thrilled me this week, and it does every year, is to look at how much this church sends out the doors. What comes in immediately goes out to help people in need, locally and around the world. And our goal every year is that we try and tithe at least tithe on what comes into the church. So a tithe is 10%. And so we constantly try every year. It's our goal. And I can't go back far enough to find a year that we haven't met this goal. This year, I think we're closer to 12%, which amounts to almost $50,000 that has come in that goes immediately out the doors to people in need. Whether it's... Uh, supporting the, the global work of the Church of the Nazarene and our missionaries around the world, or Compassionate Ministries, the Nazarene Compassionate Ministries, that um, a big thing of what they do is they go around to all of the disaster sites and a lot of the relief that's provided for these uh, natural disasters around the world comes from Nazarene Compassionate Ministries. There are other organizations that enlist the services of, of the Nazarene Church to help. So some of that money goes to that. Uh, a lot of it goes to uh, help support the agencies in our, in our own county, like Love in the Name of Christ. Not only do we provide some funding, but we give away our space as much as we can, that they can come in and use our facility for events that they had, uh, like last night, uh, Health and Hope Medical Outreach, the Gospel Mission, a Human Response Network, all sorts of other help agencies in our county, we, your generosity helps support. But we also have uh, our internal care fund. And I think it was about $7,500 of that 50000 that provided daily bread for people in our neighborhood, for people in, in our community who walk through the front doors and they come in with some need, and they fill out a form, and, and there's a care team, and Lori does a fantastic job interviewing and talking to the people about their needs. Uh, we have the chance to pray with lots of people. Uh, sometimes it's a deep underlying spiritual need that, that's really the issue, and we can come alongside them by providing some physical bread, whether it's food or gas or rental assistance or uh, something with a utility. There's all sorts of ways that we are able to help people, but we try and pair the, the physical need with the, with the deeper need, like Jesus did. He constantly drove the conversation back to what is it in your soul that you desperately long for? And you're good at that. Now, I say that, we can always do better, right? We can always strive to do just a little bit more. One real quick story before we close. I came to the church, this was a few months back, and 
I didn't even think about it in the moment because um, it just it happens on a fairly frequent basis. Somebody will be sitting on the step just by the ramp out the end of our office wing. And so there's this guy sitting there, and he had a backpack on, and, and um, I always say hi and try and introduce myself. Hey, is there anything, is there anything you need? And, and, and his name was Michael, and he said, uh, I'm just kind of passing through town. And uh, like, where, are you, where are you going? I don't know. I'm just going. I mean, he was fairly clean cut. Um, so I, I just said, is it, you know, do you, is there something, something going on? And he just, some of his story started to come out. And he needed some food, and I think that I had, I had brought a bag of food from home, and so I, we, we ate my lunch or whatever meal it was uh, sitting out there on the step, and, and I got to hear some of his story, and I got, I got to pray with him, and, and I, I don't know what will happen to Michael. I don't, I don't know where he is. All I know is he left this place saying that if I'm ever back in town, I'm going to come visit you again. Isn't that, isn't that what Jesus would want us to do? To be a people who listen to the stories of those around us and try and hear the need that they have. Maybe it's physical, maybe it's spiritual, and, and, and maybe, just maybe that's a seed that is planted that will yield a plant and a harvest on down the line. See, God doesn't hold us responsible for the results. He just holds us responsible for being faithful in those ways. You see, this, this world, the way that God created it, can produce enough food and stuff for every person on the planet. The prophet problem is oftentimes in how we choose to distribute it. So what I want to do is I want to, I want to applaud you for your generosity. And at the same time, I want to spur us on like the author of Hebrews says, the verses that have shaped our ministry over these past years. I'll talk about them in just a few minutes that when we enter into our annual meeting, it's Hebrews 10, 23 to 25, but verse 24 is, let us spur, consider ways to spur one another on to love and good deeds. And so while we can, can say, thank you, Lord, for doing that work in our lives, thank you for the generosity that you've shown us Thank you for the ways that we have responded faithfully. We can do that, and at the same time, the spur comes out, right? And God says, that's great. What's next? What's next? And so let's us all together say collectively, let us consider ways to spur one another on to love and good deeds as we pray give us this day our daily bread and the people of God said amen amen